Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 9419833777 There is no better feeling than riding a bike. The only way to give more people that opportunity is to give them the freedom to ride safely. Senator Janet Rice, 2017. Here to help you pedal those blues away is the Yarrabag Radio Show here on 3CR. Coming out of your tranny in the kitchen, podcasting it, streaming it, or taping it on your old cassette to listen to later. Many thanks to A.P. Goodman and Democracy Now! Alongside for us... Along, joining us here today, I've made my one mistake already with the computer, is... Faith, good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. And today we're going to learn about how to carry or how to build something to carry stuff on your bike and all sorts of other little DIY tips. Good morning, Evan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What a beautiful day out there. The elm trees have just about closed over. The daffodils are lowering their heads. They've all died really now. More more people on the bike all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I go past the uh, counter at Nicholson Street and Capital City Trail three four days a week, and from two or three months ago, registering about six or seven hundred. Now it's about fourteen hundred every morning. Just looks better and better and better all the time. Big show coming up, but first off, why don't we share a couple of bike moments, Faith? Oh, I'm a, my bike moments this morning is uh, a bit marginally. It's uh, one of those <laughs> ones where, you know, when you're waiting at uh, an intersection and the riders coming the opposite way are waiting on the other side and there's pedestrians and there's always those people who have to overtake the person at the front of the waiting line before they've even launched themselves onto the intersection. Gotcha. But, yeah, it's, that's my... 
my thing this morning. I had quite a bit of that happening at Nicholson Street and then again somewhere else. And it's just <laughs> <laughs> Must be. It only happens on Monday when people are so keen to get straight back into work after <laughs> two days not knowing what to do with themselves over the weekend. Yeah, I've rested up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that funny little sort of chicane as you approach Velo Cycles. Yes. And you've got to overtake the really long cargo bike on that chicane with the blind corner because life just wouldn't be worth waiting till you're around the bend to do it. I like that corner. <laughs> it's interesting you get people then anticipate to the split second when it's going to go. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Evan. Have you got a moment to share with us? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> this week, well, my my, uh, my commute week. on the uh, yeah. on the pushy takes me up uh, through some grassland on the way to the workshop up in Campbellfield, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's not remote or by <coughs> shot, but it's kind of rare to see pedestrians uh, up there. And, and there was a guy walking his dog the other day, and he made a pretty big deal of uh, flagging me down. And so I, you know, stopped to see what was happening. And he goes, "Oh, I just saw." Saw the snake, man. It's out. <laughs> Ooh, there said, we go. Yeah, the head was off one side and the uh, tail still wasn't over the center line on the bike track. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, snakes are out up in the grasslands in Campbellfield. So, yeah. A couple of warm days. Here they come. Yeah. I've got a sign in my local park, snake September to, to February. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I haven't seen one yet. When, I thought they promised me them in September, but they're not here yet. I'm a, um, by inclination, a little bit of a, no, I'm going to say, political history sort of buff and like, you know, understanding how elections work and the characters in it. Anyway, I'm watching a documentary on, I think it focused, it did an hour show on four individual American elections. So it picked, I think it picked uh, George Bush and Dukakis as one, and I think the one that I'm talking about was either um, Al Gore and George Bush, I think. Anyway... Anybody who's known me or and known the show here, and Chris, especially Chris from working at the Cycling Promotion Fund, uh, eight or nine years there was a great craze going around of little plastic bicycle badges, like I'm wearing one now. Anyway, I'm watching this show about an American election, and it's full of talking heads and either ex-Washington representatives or senators, so they're usually of advanced age and they're sitting in a lovely backdrop, got the suit on nice, you know, very few of them wear ties nowadays. So an extensive interview with this, I can't remember his name, I think he was a representative, and there he's got the lovely green bike badge on his suit lapel (laughs) the whole way through. The only time I've ever seen it somewhere else. It was quite funny. There we go. Why don't we news, move on to a bit of news now that we've got the comedy 10 minutes of the show out of the way. Uh, 102 years the Melbourne to Warrnambool bike race has been running. And I think for the first time, yes, for the first time ever, somebody's won it two years in a row. That's Nathan Elliott has two in a row. And Arian Nol- sorry, Aaron Nolan won the women's event of it. Another big day that's getting bigger, that race. Yeah, very uh, popular. Yeah. It's good to see it getting so big again. It is too. Next up on the news item. Next up is um, bad news if you regularly use the upfield bike path to uh, commute to and fro, which we know um, it's one of the busiest shared paths in Melbourne and already has uh, far more users than it's intended to carry during peak hour. Neo Metro um, are doing a redevelopment at just near Jewel Station and that will be closing the upfield bike path for two years. Wow. 
So there's a uh, couple of detours on maps that you'll find floating around. Um, they're not particularly flowy, easy, intuitive. I think a lot of riders will end up just going down Sydney Road right. for that portion. Um, but, yeah, it might be um, worth getting in touch with your local bicycle user group or the ones from around Moreland and that to uh, talk to them about that and what... Uh, Maybe there's some – two years seems a long time to need to shut it down. It does. I, don't, I can't think of a development shut down a road for two years. Yeah, it's a, two years, <laughs> yeah. And there are a couple of small budding businesses along that trail. Mm-hmm. I, I presume rely on that trail for you know coffee shops and yeah. bike shops along there. Yeah. It'll be devastating for them. Yeah. No, it's a very long time to have it shut down. So um, a huge impact, and and for yeah, one of the busiest. That's that's not a small number of cyclists who are going to have to be accommodated. No, it's, uh, it's not. Uh, if we look from one side of it to the other, if anybody's been following the uh, Volkswagen scandal, I know this is probably a little bit we're dragging along a bit. Happened two years ago, but the investigations are now starting to wind up a bit. So there have been. Um, the first German to be arrested in Germany happened uh, just at the end of September. He was one of the heads of one of the motor groups and, and he joins a, uh, an Italian national who worked for Volkswagen and different bodies. Um, he's still in, actually, without bail too. They're quite interesting, those prosecutions. So I think what's, we should watch this, but what's going to happen is this is going to reach the board of Volkswagen pretty quickly, I would think. Oh, how could you trust a car maker? There you go. <laughs> Give me big farmer any day or big tobacco. At least they lied to you straight-facedly. Next news up. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting really clear prompts this time. <laughs> Usually Val wiggles his eyebrows at me or something and I just go, oh, why is he doing that? Um, so I, I wanted to mention this at the top of the show to make sure we don't run out of time, but I'm sure Chris mentioned last week that uh, Paul Farron... Uh, passed away just over a week ago. Paul was very well known to many Melbourne cyclists. He uh, has was instrumental in uh, a lot of the organisation behind the Vintage Bicycle Clubs. He has what the a collection of bicycles from the early 20th century that's listed among the top five in the world and is certainly the biggest and most impressive in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and was also involved in setting up the original Bicycle Institute of Victoria and the whole of Melbourne bike life he's been a big part of for several decades. Mm. Um, There will be a get-together to celebrate Paul's uh, life and that will be on Wednesday the 22nd of November, 5.15pm at the Terrace, which is in the Royal Botanic Gardens. And you'll find up on the Yarrabug website uh, and a lot of Instagram and Twitter talks of Paul Farron and Charlie's involvement in Melbourne Bicycle Scheme. And you'll also see a recording of an interview Faith and I did with Paul and Charlie in, I think, 2013. 13, yeah. Which is up on the webpage, which I remember as being a very funny show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Had trouble turning the computer, I mean, you know, (laughs) turning the microphones off at the end of it. Um, I don't know who's doing this. This is just a little news item. 
But somebody's delightfully rearranging all the O-bikes that are around my suburb into little star shapes and little <laughs> squares. It's quite, um, instead of them lying down, somebody's gone to the trouble to move them into quite funny little patterns. Needless to say, none of them have got a helmet on. But anyway, we move on. And that's all with all the all good news, news for today. Yeah. We should move on. I'm sorry, Faith. Yeah. I'm, I'm lost my uh, skill set. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play. We'll play a dinner so, halfway through. Okay. Yeah. As uh, yeah, we sorry, mentioned yeah. at the start of the show, today's studio guest is Evan from Terra Rosa Gear, and uh, we invited Evan into the studio because a question I often been asked uh, when people have seen especially the saddle bag and a couple of other bags on my bike is what is the advantage of bike packing bags over traditional panniers and setups and that so I thought it might be a good idea to look at um, this whole new systems of bags that we're seeing more and more of and who better to ask than someone who's uh, making them Evan, can you explain for our listeners what... Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> certainly give it a shot. Uh, so my background uh, is definitely uh, not uh, not bikepacking. Uh, I've only got into bikepacking probably the last four or five years uh, and just seeing it really take off again um, as, as, we, as we speak right now. Um, and then, yeah, my skills were, uh, were building backpacks and stuff for mountaineering and, and climbing and uh, trekking and that sort of thing. And immediately those skills just transferred right over really well. So... Yeah, actually, why these sorts of bags are, might be better than, than your panniers, uh, it's not necessarily that they're better. Uh, it's just maybe your bike can't take a rack. A uh, suspension mountain bike or something like that It's not going to fit it as well. Yep. Um, or the panniers are too uh, wide, so you're clipping things as you're going through the bush and, and that sort of thing. No, no need to hook something up like that. Those are the, those are the easy ones. And then, uh, you know, the bike packing bags uh, will be made to carry something specifically it might fit a little better and, and that sort of um, yeah that's sort of little basic things as they uh, you know fit onto the bikes better and uh your center of gravity and your weight distribution can be managed a little better and that sort of thing um, but yeah for going down to the shops a couple of pennies you just whack <laughs> on uh, sure works real good so they've, they've really extended that um yeah because we yeah, you would think of a touring cyclist or someone doing their shopping with panniers and carrying stuff on their bikes, yeah, whereas definitely. all these bags really meant that uh, mountain bikers, especially mm-hmm. initially, um, you could yeah explore single track and but still carry a lot of gear with yeah, you. Yeah, so carry all yeah. that sort of kit that you need if you're going overnight. Get your tents and sleeping gear into that. All your food, um, all that sort of thing, which is really yeah handy and obviously necessity uh, when you're going out remote. Yeah. And so if we, uh, for the listeners, if we picture a bicycle and uh, what sort of bags would it have on it? On a, in a bike packing setup? Yeah. Yeah. So bike packing setup, maybe uh, start, at the, uh, start at the front, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you're rolling on, on the handlebars. You probably have some sort of roll or a bag up the front. Um, the, the popular ones right now are um, uh, the rolls that you can take stuff sacks in and out of that are uh, cylindrical. And you just kind of strap those in. Those uh, you know, could be as big as uh, as you can handle, depending if you're running drop bars or flat bars, that sort of thing, where your brakes are. And, and, and those and are things how far your handlebars are from your wheel. Yeah, I know for those sure. of us on smaller bikes. Yeah, <laughs> every little bump or speed bump you might be hearing a little grinding whir. 
Um, yeah, and then there can be uh, and and everybody calls these sorts of bags little different things. So the next ones along it might be uh, like the feed bags or something like that, which kind of connect to the stem and, and they go in there. And then you, you put your water bottle in that if you want quick access and you're not using a, a bladder, which is you know the tube to a to a, uh, um, a container uh, that's flexible. A reservoir, I suppose, is maybe a good word for it. Uh, next one along as well is uh, you know some people call them the fuel tank bags or the top tube bag. And they're, uh, they're, they can be as big as you want, as long as there's no uh, interference with, uh, with your cycling movement, with your knees or anything like that. And um, I personally keep my uh, bike first aid kit in there. I've got all the patches and the glues and uh, anything else I need for a flat um, in there. And, and, and that nestles into that thing between the stem and on your top tube. That's right, yeah, yeah. They'll be... It's often curved, so... It, yeah, they look kind of sleek, uh, yeah. like, like an old-fashioned uh, motorcycle fuel tank. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some square ones out there, and depending on what you're carrying and what you uh, what you need, they, they can look pretty sleek uh, or, or kind of bulky. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the, to me, that's one of the most useful everyday items uh, that I'll use on the uh, on the bikepacking sort of setup. Um, transfers really over, great for commuting and uh, and just everyday riding, too. Um, yeah, because like I said, first aid kit for the bikes in that one. Um, and then, yeah, moving along the bike, you get, uh, you're into the frame bag now, uh, or traditionally probably your frame bag. And that can be as, you know, the full triangle of your frame if it's, uh, if you're running a triangle frame or, uh, you know, just slightly, um, paralleling the top tube, um, as low as you want if you're running your water bottles still. So yeah, it's, uh, that's pretty, that's my, that's another favorite. And those are some of my favorite to actually make, uh, okay. each one of those is going to be to the bike that it's being made for. Yeah, usually bespoke yeah exactly yeah. uh and then you can, the kind of you know you can really get there's some really neat setups where you're getting all sorts of little rolls and stuff in the little nooks and crannies of the frame uh you know it's some you're running with real little clearance and, <laughs> yeah it's really neat to see how some people set up but traditionally i guess you could say the next one's going to be the saddlebag and uh, again those ones are instead of being like a long flap saddlebag which are wider and uh, kind of sit underneath the saddle there these ones also sit under the saddle but they shoot out much further out the back directly yeah their profile is very narrow and those ones, uh, yeah, they can be quite small. They can roll up right underneath the saddle. Or these ones, um, you know, that I do quite a bit of are going to be really long uh, and uh, quite voluminous, so you can get quite a lot of stuff. It's a nice spot to run some of the heavies because your center of gravity is, uh, if it's not wiggling and waggling around, which it can do, um, if it's not strapped on all right, then uh, it's a really nice place to carry some of the weight. It's changed a bit from, I know, the sort of the idea, and I can see it in amongst my age group, is that, Years ago, we might have all loaded up panniers, front and rear, handlebar bag, and gone away touring for two and two weeks or ten days, carry everything. That's changed a lot, but the best thing about it, it changing is the different bikes now that actually I don't need a heavy, solid, dependable tourer mm. to even go on tour anymore, and I don't go for two weeks now. I go for a weekend or four or five days, and the bags just fit exactly what you need to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I love the idea that now everybody's changing. It used to be a little bit the handlebar bag, but now everybody's got, as you said, the bike first aid kit, food, little Mm -hmm. bits of, you know, whatever you need, easy reach. People are now just, you're running it from the front of the bike. Mm -hmm. You know, you're feeding, you're looking after yourself all the time. Yeah. Stopping pulling out the bidden from underneath the down tube to have a drink and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, It's really sure. changed. And the bikes have helped it, of course. The bikes come first a little bit, didn't they? Well, I think it's the versatility of it. What you were saying, like, if you want to um, get those bags onto a bike with dual suspension, you're going to have to use different yeah. 
things. Yeah, and, exactly. and that means anyone can go on any bike. Um, so it might be a gravel bike or it might be a mountain bike or it might be a, a steel road bike yeah, and yeah. Uh, and find a setup that works for them because the other one, you know, front racks are still quite popular. Yes, And sure. um, even the baskets, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, a basket with a bag in it is, yep. you know. That's, a, that's my setup. My personal yeah. setup is a basket at the front and that's yep. every day. Okay. That's whatever I need. The but city special. The city special, yeah. 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 Yep. And interesting, when you were talking about, you know, I can't put a frame on a bag and stuff like that, mm-hmm. frame bags and all those sort of things then solve a problem, especially front backs or front racks and baskets. You put a baby seat on a normal city bike, I've got nowhere else to carry anything for the child. For yeah. Sure. So mm-hmm. as soon as I take away the rack, I need something else, which and the, the, something that's soft, easy to put on and off, just yeah. works so much better. For and sure. having everything in a plane just works yeah. really well. Yeah, It's uh and like the the magic for me of of the bike packing sort of thing is is it's such an accessible form of adventure for for anybody um, you know however you want to define adventure whether it's an overnight ride or it's uh, you know fat biking to the south pole or something like that whatever but uh, you know you could just have the old rusty Kmart bike in the back shed and you take it out and you're inspired for something and yeah these these type of bags you could just slap them onto that and and still have a, a wonderful time you, you don't need to go out and yeah get these bikes you know eventually go out and get a good bike for sure yeah, you know, for safety and all that but but you know for for those start-offs and, and just people you, you know you don't need training like if you're, you're not going to go to new zealand and just go straight into the climbing you know you're going to know what you're doing when you're climbing you know trekking for any sorts of time you're going to understand the food and stuff you take but the bike packing stuff yeah grab a couple bananas whatever you're sleeping bag whack it on disappear into the bush for a day or two with uh, with the bike and come back out and, and, and just goes from there and i guess that um it's another way in which you know the bike world's always been a bit about um diy and coming up with solutions so you this area has spawned a lot of businesses like and your business has gone into making bike packing bags yeah, and that mm-hmm. but it's also an area where people like you're saying, can go and get their Kmart bike and strap on some dry bags. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. you don't have to make – that initial investment doesn't have to be huge. Exactly, yeah. If you just want to be inspired and go for an adventure and, you know, you, you want to try something like that, then, uh, then yeah, do something like that. And, yep. and you can then see the value of good gear and you'll eventually start putting – it's like, oh, this bike isn't as good, you know, I'll need to – do this and, and, the and this doesn't stay attached right. the yeah, way I'd hoped it right. would or but, it's but, moving around. But the initial ability to actually travel some distance is there yeah. at a very easy uh, and achievable level for yeah. uh, for anybody, um, which is which is really cool. But yeah, and because of the, the you know, bikers are always tinkerers and DIYers, especially <laughs> once you start falling in love with your bike and it's, it's never ending black hole of uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> anything, I suppose. But, um, Emotional despair. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing for it. Yeah. I'm telling you Existential. Now, the, love, <laughs> the love is unrequited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, I don't mean, can we just get on? What do you make the bags out of? We were talking about different sorts of canvas. Sure, yeah. 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 Well, there's, yeah, there's multiple different materials around. It's, a, it's a, quite a fascinating time uh, in, in the textile industry uh, for that sort of stuff with all these new materials that are coming out and being developed with, uh, with the spectras and the dynemas and uh, like these incredibly strong materials which are uh, you know, not seen uh, in, in bike bags and stuff a lot. So I'm having a look at some of that sort of stuff. But traditionally, 
the canvas is still awesome. And that uh, Australia is, is blessed. It has the best canvas industry, in my opinion, in the entire world. The canvases are top-notch. They last the best. And that's because they, they really need to here. Otherwise, the, the UV from the sun will, yeah. uh, will just destroy something. Disintegrate. Yeah, like you'll see swags that might be made from an Indian canvas or um, you know, even some North American canvases. And they'll fall apart. Uh, after not a lot of use because of the uh, the UV degradation on the on the materials, like our skin. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, mine today. I'll be slip, slop, slap. And you mentioned that you started out. Um, you were making backpacks. Um, at was the when you started making the bike gear. Was that at from your own? starting doing bikepacking or was it people coming to you and saying could you also make this yeah a little bit of both actually um so yeah with my background of of the climbing and mountaineering and um you know trekking and that sort of thing uh, i'd been making some lightweight shelters and just trying to keep keep the weight off your back as much as possible so you can go further go faster and just generally enjoy things a little bit more like that and those materials and those skill sets of running the sewing machines and the, the understanding of angles and stress points and all that sort of thing just transferred right over when, uh, yeah, they kind of saw the, the bikepacking coming popular. I mean, bikepacking has been a thing since as long as the bike's been yeah, around, right? Yeah. So to, to see these, um, you know, all these concepts are not necessarily anything uh, new. It's just the Well, sheep shearers and, used to set off with their swag yeah, on their bike sure. to get to the next job. Yeah, I could look at those black and white photos all day. <laughs> those, those fellas, yeah, those legends. Um, but yeah, and you just kind of kind of roll from there with um, with the materials, and and that's what changes things. And all of a sudden, you know, the materials might be stronger, so you don't need to reinforce this part as much, and that makes it lighter. Yeah, and yeah there's things like that kind of come into it. And so if I've got an old sewing, a singer sewing machine at home, can I stitch canvas? Ooh, you'd have to have to check it out. Uh, but yeah, some of those old singers will do it. They'll uh, they'll yeah. go through it for a DIY project, like a one or two off. Yeah, you, you might have to hand crank the uh, the needle yeah, to go yeah. through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any of those ones that are built with a cast iron, they're probably built up in Scotland. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh God, so you, you're all a bit like Paul Farron. See, Paul Farron yes. then collected the machines that made the bikes. Right. That was his <laughs> big thing. No, he bought all the wheel manufacturing things and everything like that. He had even had a ball bearing manufacturer yeah. thing there. He was a lot interested in then the history of it. Yes. Like yeah. you are with the old singer. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, because like, yeah. I had a singer. It was called the uh, 201K, and that was the arguably for me the best sewing machine ever made ever full stop regardless of uh, genre or anything <laughs> uh, just runs off 240 from the wall and uh, I ran that thing and I still have it uh, but I ran that for about five years making pretty much everything that I was doing um, and then when demand and popularity kind of went up that's was like okay I'll, I'll invest now into the uh, the industrial machines which can go quicker um, lots of accuracy and they're, heavier canvases yeah, heavier canvases yeah for yeah. sure Evan, I've got to ask you, where does the name come from? Oh, yeah, sure. The, the Terra Rosa um, is a glacier in Canada. Uh, uh, and, yeah, there's a lost gold mine up there. And it's actually where I learned most of my mountaineering skills uh, is there's these beautiful spire peaks that poke out of the glacier. So if you want to climb those peaks, which we, we didn't have, you have to cross over the glacier. And so there's a lot of fun and adventure to be had there. And, yeah, we being British Columbia, which uh, very similar to, to Melbourne and Victoria here, opened up because of the gold rushes. Yep. Um, there's gold around, so you bring a gold pan. <laughs> check it out, and maybe you find something, maybe you don't. I thought for an awful minute you'd named after a great Australian red wine growing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the double with uh, Terra Rosa, meaning red earth uh, yeah, as well, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. thought, yeah, it was very fitting for Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, Evan, thanks for coming in. You can see Evan's products in a lot of bike shops around. 
Yep. And uh, we'll also be putting up a link to his website. So, because yeah, well, there's a lot of great photos of the different ways bikes have been packed up. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a good starting point. We'll also post some links to, there's a lot online. Um, uh, about DIY oh, yeah. bags, different patterns people have come up with and ideas for mm-hmm. customising stuff you might find in the op shop even. so yeah. uh, and, if, and if anyone uh, has any questions for DIY or whether the machine would, uh, would work or not, uh, please feel free to shoot me an email um, and I'll, I'll see if I can help out at all. Mm. Awesome. Go. Got a quick, couple of quick events? There's uh, a few things on, mostly coming up this week. Uh, there's the Cycle Chic Film Tour, which is on Tuesday night. And over several nights, there's also the Big Bike Film Night, and there are still tickets available to some of those nights. So Google both of those, or we'll put links up with the podcast. Also coming up this week, of course, is Ride to Work Day on Wednesday. So that's a great day to check out what is happening in your local community with breakfast and after work. Even I know VeloCycles are doing an after work uh, event as well. And coming up in the city of Yarra, over the month of November is Amy's Bike Skills, a set of uh, bike skills workshops for women over 50. And we'll be back. Chris will be back next week. We'll be back the week after that. Yep. Program. And like, <laughs> sorry, about that. as usual, uh, we would encourage you to subscribe or make a donation to 3CR. We depend on your support to stay on the air. And uh, if you could do that, you, it would be greatly appreciated. You can do it at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. Coming up next is... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.